Macworld Podcast, number 18, December 28th, 2005. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Saruz Faravar. Today we're going to be talking about Macworld Expo 2006. It's going to be happening right here in our fair city of San Francisco, just a few short blocks from the Macworld offices, and we're going to be checking out some of the stuff that's on the horizon. We're going to be checking in with Paul Kent, the vice president of IDG Expo, and our own staffers, um, Jason Snell, the editorial director, and Jonathan Seff, our senior news editor. We're going to have interviews with them coming up in just a little bit. First, I wanted to just talk a little bit about what Expo is and what it means to me. Um, you know, Macworld Expo is a show that's put on. It's probably Apple's biggest event every year. Uh, they have it in January, as I said, here in San Francisco. And, you know, there are lots of companies that are out. Um, it's basically like any sort of, you know, exhibit hall or convention. Um, there's lots of different booths that you can check out. There's product demos and all kinds of things. And, of course, one of the first events on the first day, uh, which this year will be January the 9th, is, of course, going to be the keynote by Steve Jobs. There's been, you know, some discussion w- about whether or not Apple is going to release, you know, some new hardware. There's been talks of, you know, that maybe this will be the event where they will announce their first Intel, possibly iBooks or PowerBooks or who knows. It's, you know, they said that last year that by June 06 that there was going to be Apple hardware running on Intel chips. So maybe this will be the first of it. You know, we won't really know until we get to Expo. So my first Expo actually was in 2004, and I was just able to, I got a pass um, for a day. Uh, I found a free one online and just sort of wandered around and checked out some of the demos. You know, I was able to get to see some neat things. There was some video game displays. I got, you know, a free poster. There was some new Apple hardware that was being shown off. So that was really fun. Um, but I think, you know, this one is going to be fun for me as a member of the media now to be able to go and hear the keynote and, you know, get all the excitement. I remember back maybe, I guess it was about seven years ago or something, when the first iMac came out. I was living in Switzerland at the time, and I picked up a copy of Macworld France. On their CD that came with their magazine, they had videos of the original demo of the iMac. And I remember just being so excited to see that and you know I wish that that you know there would be more ways to share uh, more of the excitement that happens you know you can only do so much with audio and video uh, I wish it was possible to take you know all of the you know real hardcore Mac geeks out there and bring them all to Expo but you know we try and do the best we can we try and provide the best coverage that we can and uh, this year we're going to be bringing audio and video from the show floor so hopefully we'll give you you know the best insiders look as to what happens at Macworld Expo than ever before. So um, without further ado, we're going to cut now to an interview that I did with Paul Kent, the vice president of IDG Expo and one of the heads of putting on this year's Macworld Expo 2006. Paul Kent, thank you so much for being on the Macworld podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And congratulations as your new title as vice president of IDG World Expo. Thanks for having me here. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect from this this year's Macworld Expo. Well, Macworld is coming up January 9th through 13th at the Moscone again, and it's going to be an amazing show. The, the enthusiasm and energy that's building up to the show is is higher than I've ever seen it in my nine years of being associated with the show, my 20 years of attending the show. 
and there's just this fervent fever that um, people are looking forward to what the new announcements are going to be, going to the training classes, seeing the attractions on the, ex on the exhibit floor. So it's, it's really going to be a great show. How is this show going to be different from some of the shows in years past? Well, different, uh, I would say that the most interesting things are the new attractions that we have. So a couple of the focuses that people can look forward to are, for example, digital photography. So Apple has come out with this product called Aperture that is a tool for professional photographers, and the interest is running through the roof. I mean, people are very excited about what they can do with this product, and Macworld will be a place where people can learn about the product. So it'll kind of be the first public training on this, on this uh, new software product. And digital photography in general is now a category of, of technology that's on fire, and Macworld Expo will be a great place for people to come and see everything from consumer, hobbyist-level tools, all the way up through the professional tools like Aperture. What are some of the other things besides digital photography that are also going to be coming up? So Macworld is um, a representation of all the things that are interesting that are going on in the Mac, in the Mac universe. And so we will touch on everything from um, Apple's enterprise offerings in our Mac IT conference, where people can learn about things like OS X Server and the XServe product and the RAID product. Uh, and all the applications of Mac technology in enterprise and higher ed environments. So, you know, if you're managing more than 50 people, this is a conference that's purposely built for you. Um, and, you know, it's very successful. People love coming to this event because it's training and business networking that they just can't get anywhere else. And so the Mac IT conference is one theme that comes out of this. As I said, digital photography, certainly digital video. And digital video takes on... Uh, a new uh, importance this year with the emergence of the iPod videos because now there's another outlet for what people want to do with their video. And so uh, video, everything from Final Cut to iMovie, uh, all the tools, um, all the compression techniques, all those types of things will be spoken about at Macworld and shown on the exhibit floor. So digital video is once again important. Obviously iPods, there's a lot of interest in iPods. I mean, you know, Macworld Expo is a place where people can not only come and learn about Apple's computing and software products, but also can come learn about their new emphasis in consumer electronics. And so there's all sorts of solutions for uh, iPod lovers, iPod users, and it's a, Macworld's a great place to come. To uh, the extent where we actually have an auto show that's going to be on the show floor, and if people want to see how auto manufacturers are building in iPod um, facilities within their cars and, and a couple of real interesting hack developers that are trying to put uh, iPods to work in cars and video to work in cars and Macs to work in cars. So our, our auto show will be a real fun thing for people to come and enjoy. Now you said that this is, you've been involved with Macworld for about nine years and this will be the 22nd Macworld Expo coming up in January. How has Macworld Expo changed over the years? Well, Macworld has always been a reflection of what's going on in the Mac industry. I would say how it's changed is as Apple has uh, released new products and has emphasized certain markets, Macworld has been there to be the meeting place, the trusted meeting place for people to come and see how these products can be put to work. So things like the Mac IT conference are new emphasis that didn't exist, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, uh, every new category of software and hardware that Apple releases or that there is a rush of, of innovation in the developer community, Macworld is a place where people can see it. So Macworld evolves just like Apple evolves, just like as the Mac market evolves. And it's a, it's a fun place for, if you're a Mac user, if you're an iPod user, for you to come and really see what all the excitement is about. Do you feel like there's a range of things for people who are, you know, you mentioned enterprise level. It's sort of a very high-end thing ranging all the way down to, you know, just a college student who uses Macs every day. Is there, is there something in there for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll talk about our conference agenda for a few minutes. So the Macworld conference agenda, 
will have over 4,500 students in it, and it has faculty from around the world that are really the top writers, thinkers, trainers, educators in the Mac market. And there's stuff in uh, our conference agendas for everybody. We actually have uh, a set of free training offerings on the show floor called the Taste of the Conference, where there's everything from uh, an introductory class on Macs for new users or for switchers to uh, Photoshop tips and tricks, to GarageBand users, to just Macintosh tips and tricks. So there's really something for everyone there. Then we have a a whole bunch of uh, paid conference offerings. So we have our Mac Users Conference, which offers Macintosh tips, creative tools tips, um, digital photography and digital video tips, and just productivity apps. Everything from, well, uh, for example, scripting Microsoft Office apps. If you rely on Microsoft Office apps as your main productivity tool, whether you're a student or a professional user, um, you'll learn how to do things faster, and that's the type of thing that the Mac Users Conference can have. We have a host of Power Tools conferences, which are two-day in-depth training on a variety of important tools in the Mac industry. So, for example, um, we have a two-day course on Final Cut Pro. We have a two-day course on Adobe Creative Suite. We have a two-day course on FileMaker 8, their new release. We have a new uh, two-day course on um, on Apple scripting. So we have 16 courses in all as part of our Power Tools conferences. And if you rely on a tool as your go-to productivity tool, this would be a great place for you to learn about it. We have hands-on training. We have our Mac IT conference. And then something else that's new for Macworld this year is what we're calling market symposiums. We've taken five vertical market categories, and we've built a full day of discussions and training for those five markets. And the markets are K-12 through educators, art directors, new media artists, small business, and then one that might be interesting to you uh, is the one on podcasting. So we have a whole day of discussions, uh, technical training on what's going on in the podcasting market. If this is an area where you want to either host a a podcast uh, or you want to start a business that's about podcasting, this will be an interesting discussion for you at Macworld. Great. One, One last question. As we were talking before we started recording, there seems to be a bit of confusion as to what the relationship between Macworld Expo and the relationship between Macworld Magazine is. Could you clarify that a little bit? Sure, I'd be happy to. So both of the Macworld properties, the the show called Macworld Conference and Expo, and the magazine, Macworld, are owned by IDG Corporation. Um, they're separate entities, and so we uh, both have our, our own business plans about how we accomplish what it is we set out to do. But we do um, correspond, and, and we do get input from each other. So, for example, Jason Snell... Uh, is always giving input. He's part of the advisory council, and he's uh, a part of the teaching faculty as well. So they're two separate entities that work together to share resources and share ideas and, and share input about what's going on and what's relevant in the Mac market, but we do sit out and, and, uh, and go about our business separately. Great. Well, we look forward to, to hearing more from you from the show floor. Thanks for having me on. That was Paul Kent, vice president of IDG World Expo. Now we're going to get to another interview that I did with editorial director Jason Snell and our senior news editor Jonathan Seff for their inside look at a preview of what to expect from Macworld Expo 2006. So, Jason, we were talking before the show about, you know, as, as you had said, the or as Apple had said, rather, last June they announced that they would be producing Intel-based computers by, by June 2006. So what does that mean for Expo? Well, it's it's interesting. A lot of people have said, well, Apple said that they'd be they'd start producing Intel systems in June next year, and they really didn't. They said that at this time next year, 
we will have Intel systems, and, and, and they left it that vague. So uh, I, I think everybody really expects that they're going to announce an Intel-based system in January. And it's funny. At this point, I, I suppose people will be disappointed if they don't. But I, I think it stands to reason that they want to get this – they want to get this transition moving and that um, when you look at some of the, the interesting announcements from Intel, when you look at the, um, the new um, laptop chips that Intel has introduced, um, and, and, you, know, you start to think, hey, Apple needs to play there. So, so I think we all sort of expect that there will be some form of an Intel announcement from Apple because um, it's about time. It's a time to get the ball rolling. I think everybody's ready for the Intel transition to begin. What's the advantage of running Apple hardware on Intel chips? Well, I mean, what Apple says is that Intel's um, Intel's chances for growth are greater than the ones that they saw with the IBM chips. And and if you look at the the new portable um, chip architecture that they just announced in December, you're looking at the Yona chip. I mean, it's a dual core chip. It is relatively low power consumption and it's fast. And it's you know going to give laptops, um, a speed that the G4 PowerBooks sort of never really had. I mean, there are lots of other issues that come along with that in terms of getting universal binaries for these apps so that they run at full speed on Intel, and, and when when is that going to happen, and you know what key apps are going to be laggards and, and going to be chastised publicly by Steve Jobs for being slow, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, but I think for laptop people who've really been groaning about the fact that the G4 is sort of stalled out in terms of speed, uh, everybody's hoping that the, the, the Intel move is going to be good for laptop speed especially. Now, what about also the – I mean, you're talking about universal binaries and, and program conversion and stuff. Will this be as big of a jump as it was from OS 9 to OS 10 in terms of the, the laggard and delays of application conversion? I don't think it will, mostly because um, – the shorthand answer is the conversion from 9 to 10 did a lot of the work that r- makes the chip conversion not as big a deal. A lot of the work um, in, in taking your apps from 9 to 10 involved sort of abstracting what the apps are doing from the hardware to a degree that they weren't previously. So unlike the PowerPC to, 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 uh, from, from 68K transition or the 9 to 10 transition – there's going to be a lot more sort of recompiling that just sort of works fairly easily. There are going to be some apps that are going to be, uh, you know, take a lot of work to get over. But I think a lot of the apps, the impression I get from developers I talk to, you know, the work that they did to go to 10 was their investment in in going to Intel. That 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 work is paying off again now because they can recompile much more easily for Intel processors. Now, John. Um you do a lot of work in, in music. You cover music and you are a guitar player. For someone like you who's a musician who uses your Mac to create music, edit music, mix music, all that kind of stuff, how do you sort of – if Apple were to you know, announce uh, Intel-based hardware, would you sort of take a wait-and-see approach? Would you jump right on it? How would you feel it out? Uh, well, I mean I don't think that the uh, transition is going to be that big of a deal – you know, in terms of uh, music making hardware or software. I mean, one thing you can obviously expect from uh, Expo, since Apple likes to put um, date stamps on certain products, is that iLife 06 probably will be coming out soon. And if Apple is announcing, even if they're not shipping, if they're announcing an Intel-based Mac um, at Expo and have something ready, you know, they're going to have their major apps ready uh, to go and running on Intel um, processors pretty soon. So, 
you know, something like GarageBand, which I like to use, which a lot of, you know, aspiring musicians like to use uh, as part of iLife, you know, you can pretty much bet that that's going to be ready to go. Um, there's a lot of hardware out there that's, um, you know, uh, meant for running on Macs and PCs, so the hardware itself, you know, sort of doesn't care. It plugs in via USB, and, you know, PCs have USB and sort of Macs. Um, the software updating process probably won't be that hard because they already run on um, Intel-based computers. Now, taking a the slight sort of cousin in a way of, of the, you know, GarageBand music bit, uh, we are talking also about, about iPods, and you were pointing out before the show, we were talking about how the Shuffle, this is, I guess, the one-year anniversary of the Shuffle. Um, yeah, I believe the Shuffle came out um, at, uh, was announced at Expo in uh, January of uh, 05. Um and the one gigabyte shuffle, um, by the reports that we're reading, is pretty much sold out. Um, you can't get them anymore, and they're they're gone. Whether that's because Apple's just doing a really great job selling them, or they stopped producing them a couple months ago because they are planning on coming out with something new at Expo, um, you know, sort of anyone's guess, but. I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see either a new version of the shuffle, higher capacity, or a replacement for the shuffle. Um, you know, it's possible they might add a screen to it, uh, turn uh, turn into more of a nano, and have a, a sort of in-between product there, and keep a low-end shuffle, but then have everything else um, with a screen. Because once you get above a certain amount of music, a screen is kind of a useful thing to have. Um, are there any other sort of you know things that you that you guys see on the horizon that that people should be aware of to look out for at Expo. Well, I think John mentions that the Shuffle is a year old, and Apple has certainly shown us in 2005 that they have no fear of getting rid of products that even are successful in order to make way for new products. And so you got to wonder will the will the Shuffle be uh, revved or will the Shuffle be killed and replaced with something else, whether it's a Nano or something that's in between a Nano and a Shuffle. It, it remains to be seen. I, I think the other product that was announced last January was the Mac Mini. Again, essentially hasn't been updated. There have been some sort of stealth updates, but largely it is what it was back then. And so you have to say, in terms of Apple products, it's pretty long in the tooth. And and so you've got to look at Macworld Expo and say, what comes next for the Mac Mini? And, and I think the Intel might play into that um, in terms of maybe an Intel-based Mac Mini. That's entirely possible. You also have to look at the the developments with the new iMac G5 that came out with front row and with the remote control. And at the time, everybody said, boy, wouldn't this be great on a Mac Mini? And Apple said, well, you know, all right now all we're saying is that we're going to have this on the iMac, and isn't it great? And clearly in the back of everybody's mind, they're thinking, well, you know, the next Mac Mini is going to have this. And so I think um, whether one or both of those things are true, I would imagine that either the Mac Mini will become – uh, you know, a new version of the old standard, now a year old on its first birthday, or it will be gone and replaced with something else that who knows what they'll call it. But, you know, that's Apple's that's Apple's standard, standard operating procedure. So it would not surprise me if the Mac Mini is due for a transformation or a, uh, a replacement um, pretty soon. I, I guess the other product that I would put in that category is the iBook. The iBook has basically been lying in the weeds for a long time now. And, um, I think all of us, laptops in general, the iBook in particular, all of us expect that that's got to ha- that's going to have to change soon. Whether that's a an expo thing or not, 
it's a mystery, but um, but I would certainly throw those out there. Always look. The 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 trick is to always look for um, what Apple products have been standing the longest. Those are the ones that are most likely to go. Great. Well, any other thing that you'd like to add, John? Uh, just that you know, with the Intel transition, um, it's interesting that you know no one really knows which products would be the first on the. Uh, you know, on the chopping block from the from the old chip to the new chip, and a lot of people have different reasons for suspecting Apple will do things. Some people say it'll be a low end system, it'll be a Mac Mini, or it'll be an iBook because a lot of the applications won't be ready, and the mission critical people need everything to be ready, so they're not going to buy it. Other people say, well, the PowerBook is really in need. It's the most you know in dire straits there. There's been no G5, and they can't do one, so it needs the boost and a dual core. Um, Intel processor, and that would be great. And then other people say, well, Power Macs um, are what, uh, you know, those people are the ones that spend money, and those are the people that buy computers. And if they can do it in there and get a faster computer and add some cool things, then maybe those people will buy it and it'll make everyone else want them. So, you know, it's really sort of a mystery as to which model or models they might be uh, announcing at Expo, assuming they do announce at Expo. But I think we're all pretty uh, certain there will be something, otherwise, it would be kind of a dud. <laughs> well, we'll get all the answers to our questions in about two weeks, I guess. Um, Happy New Year to you both, and uh, we'll see you again at Expo. Thanks. Thanks, and Happy New Year to everybody out there in the Macworld podcast audience. Thanks for listening. Well, that wraps up our show, and that wraps up 2005. We hope you have a Happy New Year and a pleasant holiday season. And all the best from all of us at Macworld. If you're going to be coming to Macworld Expo in next month, in January, uh, if you're local or if you're coming from out of town, please do come up to the table, the Macworld booth. I will be there. We will be recording live from the show floor. I will also be wandering the show floor at various moments. So if you see a, a guy who you might you know, recognize his voice with a big microphone in his hand and wearing big headphones, it's probably me. Um, come say hi. I would love to, to meet all of our listeners and uh, would love to get some feedback from you as to how we can make this Macworld podcast even better in 2006. Signing off from San Francisco, this is Sarus Faravar for the Macworld podcast. <laughs>